Chara, Chara, Chara. 
darshan of Sri Sri Radha Damodar, a wonderful history and um, so many nice things to say about Radha Damodar. We're very fortunate to be here before them conducting a, a discussion on a very important topic. I assume you're all aware of the topic. I'll just share a bit. Um, as the Hare Krishna movement grows, we're very soon going to be um, celebrating our 50th anniversary of ISKCON. And um, as we go out over time, year after year after year, our uh, devotees are becoming, at least some are becoming more mature and more and more we're reaching the public. And having a clearer and deeper understanding uh, of this important topic of the role of the spiritual master, specifically the role of Srila Prabhupada as our founder Acharya. And anyone else following in the line of disciplic succession that performs this service to more carefully, deeply, thoughtfully consider that subject. That's the purpose of what we're doing this weekend. Some devotees requested, can this topic be discussed more carefully, more in depth? So in response to that request, here we are. And um, Well, this evening, um, the, the topic that's going to be discussed is a topic that comes up from time to time. How does the living entity move from the conditioned to the liberated state? How does that happen? What is the source of deliverance of the soul? Obviously, the spiritual master plays some role. Is it the spiritual master or, or what? And how, if, it's, if it's whatever it is, how does it work? So that's, that's the topic. And um, is there anybody here that's kind of somewhat new to Krishna consciousness? Somewhat new to Krishna consciousness? Somewhat new? Okay. Okay. So, especially you three that raised your hand, <clears throat> pay special attention to the first three slides because we're going to summarize the conclusion at the beginning. And then what's going to happen after that for this evening is as is appropriate in spiritual circles on spiritual subject matters, 
after statements are made, one gives supporting scripture to, that illuminates the statement. So here comes the statements, then comes fasten your seatbelt. We're going to be discussing scriptural references that support the statements, and then we're going to summarize the statements again. That's where we're going. So, um, the song that was sung is a song by Narottama Das Thakur. You'll see his picture shortly. Bhaktivinoda um, Thakur, those of you that are new may not know Bhaktivinoda Thakur, he's on the altar here in our line of disciplic succession. Srila Prabhupada's spiritual master's father, his picture's back here on the wall also, observing Kartik Vrata with his nice white beard. Bhaktivinoda Thakur said that the writings of Narottama Das Thakur are scripture. He took the message of scripture, placed in simple language, very beautifully and poetically composed it, and gave it to the world. So each of the classes that I'm giving will be from the songs of Narottama Das Thakur, where, at least in his first song, he's describing his plight of suffering in material existence and calling out for the mercy of great souls to deliver him from that very unfortunate condition, his material existence. Deliverance of the soul. That's our topic. So, the first of the three slides begins here. Um, this is a quote from a purport from Canto 4, Chapter 24. This is uh, Lord Shiva has given some prayers or stotras to the prachetas. The prachetas are sons of a king, Prachinibhari. And as they've gone off at the request of their father to purify themselves so they can become prajapatis or produce good offspring to populate the kingdom and populate the world. Lord Shiva came before them, expressed his pleasure at their qualities and then gave them some prayers or some songs or some mantras which during the course of their meditation in Satya Yuga, meditation is the process, internally they could sing the prayers or the songs or the mantras that he, Lord Shiva personally sings. And this is taken from the purport where Prabhupada is describing the effect of mantra or spiritual sound. I put in red the beginning part. The mantra delivers the conditioned soul from his bondage. So there's a source of deliverance, the mantra itself. So simply by chanting the mantra, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare, one can gain deliverance from any condition. So Krishna, in the form of his name, 
delivers. That's the first summary statement. And then there's another statement that comes from Chaitanya Charitamrita. That's a biography about Bharatanya's life, written by Krishna Das Kaviraj Goswami in the very early section where Guru Tattva is discussed. There's a verse, text 45, that says, according to the delivered opinion of all the revealed scriptures, the spiritual master is not different from Krishna. Lord Krishna, in the form of the spiritual master, delivers his devotees. This is a concluding summary that comes at the very beginning. Krishna is the deliverer. Krishna in the form of his name. Krishna represented by the spiritual master or in the form of the spiritual master. Krishna delivers his devotees. And part of that process of deliverance is imparting transcendental knowledge. And we'll be discussing this particular slide most of all, but um, the summary here is this Divya Gyan has its multiple conduits or sources, the Diksha Mantra, the instructions from the Shiksha Guru, the chanting of the name, the various bhakti processes, and we'll just make it simple, Prabhupada's books. These are sources of transcendental knowledge that serve to deliver the soul from the condition to the liberated state. You're going to see this slide again, so if you forget it, don't worry, it's just a, a graphic re representation of the scriptural support that's now going to follow. So we're going to start with Narottama Das Thakur. This is a nice painting of Narottama Das Thakur. He was in historically or chronologically uh, a student of Jiva Goswami and a disciple of Lokanath Goswami. That's chronologically where he came. Lord Chaitanya, the six Goswamis, and then next chronologically Narottama Das Thakur. So every morning in all of our ISKCON temples and centers and homes, we offer Guru Puja, or we sing these songs in glorification of the spiritual master, one of which is Chakudana Didale Janme Janme Prabhose Divya Gyan Hride Prokashito. And you see in red that Divya Gyan Hride Prokashito, the, the translation that Prabhupada has given us is the spiritual master opens my darkened eyes and fills my heart with transcendental knowledge. So, Dibya Gyan comes from the spiritual master. Now, if you remember slide number two, Krishna represented by his spiritual master delivers the, his devotee, Krishna's devotee. So, through the medium of the spiritual master Krishna is giving transcendental knowledge just so we don't forget Krishna and 
more on the topic of divya again, which is part of the process of deliverance of souls from the condition to the liberated state. Jiva Goswami has given some description um, in his Bhakti Sandarbha, um, where he describes the meaning of diksha or initiation, spiritual initiation. And the section, it's Anuched, or section 283, and it's the, the, the topic in general, the overall topic, is deity worship. Jiva Goswami is giving philosophical, not like how to do deity worship, but he's giving the philosophical basis and support of deity worship. And part of that deity worship process is receiving mantra because through mantra one becomes qualified and through mantra one can approach the deity. So he describes the process of diksha by referring to two verses from his elder brother's work, from Hari Bhakti Vilas. This is one of them. You'll see the reference next slide. And this verse, Divyam Gyanam Yatodadyat Kuryat Papa Shasang Shayam, Prabhupada quotes in Chaitanya Charitamrita. So, not unknown to us, but this is where it comes from. And here's a translation of that verse. Diksha, what's the meaning? It's the process by which one can awaken his transcendental knowledge. Note that the trans translation says awaken, meaning it's there but dormant, asleep. And it can be awakened by the process of diksha. And diksha is the process by which one can vanquish all reactions caused by sinful activity. Kuryat papas yasangshayam. Samshayam, without it. Uh, um, a person expert in the study of the revealed scriptures knows this process as diksha. So that's one translation. These are just references, then he's going to make a commentary on the references. And here's an alternative translation. The knowers of the truth define diksha as such because from it one receives divyagyan, indicated by the syllable di, di, and sin is destroyed, indicated by the syllable ksha. You put them together and you get diksha. <coughs> These two things. Transitive knowledge is awakened and sins are eradicated or destroyed. So we have these two parts. Diksha, divyaganam and shayampapasya. So now, this is one verse that Jiva Goswami is quoting from um, Hari Bhakti Vilas. And Hari Bhakti Vilas is quoting from the Shruti Mantras. It's, it's a portion of the four Vedas is Agama, and these, are, these two verses are taken from there. And this is the second one. Ato Gurum Pranam Yaivam, etc. Translation is, 
Therefore, after offering respect to Guru and offering everything to him, we should accept a Vaishnava mantra with the aforesaid Diksha according to the rules. And then the additional comment is, whoops, it's it, uh, supposed to be another point here. Anyway, here's um, Jiva Goswami's commentary, in case you're not a Sanskrit scholar. Here's the translation of his commentary on these two verses. Divya Gyanam means knowledge of the Lord's Swarup conveyed in the sacred mantra and knowledge of a particular relationship with the Lord. Two things. The Divyam Gyanam has two subparts. The Lord's form and one's relationship with the Lord within the mantra itself. Pause. If you read someday, you read Brihat uh, Bhagavatamrita, for example, Gopu Kumar receives a mantra, and with the mantra, he receives these two things, which gradually mature. The receiving of the mantra happens very early, and the realization gradually matures both his own relationship with the Lord and the Lord's form. We're going to give another example of that, Lord Brahma, in just a moment. So then, in his commentary, Jiva Goswami says, Archana is mainly for wealthy householders. Because it's in a section, 283, as you see at the bottom, it's about deity worship and He's making the comment that Archana is mainly for wealthy householders. Wealthy householders meaning those that have enough uh, wealth that they can create a, a deity in their home and a little altar for their, the deity in their home and so forth. And such persons, to worship the deity, they require mantra. That's what he's describing. And to receive the mantra is the process of diksha and departed with diksha are these two things. Divyam jnanam, transcendental knowledge, knowledge having these two parts, and the eradication of sin. So, whoops. Um, this is a graphic depiction of all of that. Um, the process of diksha gives mantra and mantra gives divyagyan and destruction of sin. Now, involved in the process of mantra giving is the mantra giver. That's the Diksha Guru. And with the mantra comes this, divyagyan. And divyagyan has these two parts. Knowledge of the Lord's sarup and knowledge of one's particular relationship with the Lord. Now, I mentioned one example that's from Brihat Bhagavatamrita, but here's whoops, here's another example. Isn't that neat? This is Kaliya Krishna's work. I don't know how he did it, but this is Lord Brahma receiving Gayatri Mantra from
from the flute of Krishna. This is the cover of Brahma Samhita. And there's the flute of Krishna. And from the flute of Krishna comes a sound entering the ear of Lord Brahma as Kama Gayatri Mantra. Those of you that know a little bit about Brahma Samhita, there's these really wonderful verses, the Govindam prayers. They start with verse 29. etc. Those are the realizations of Krishna's Swarup and things in relation to Krishna. But in addition to knowing Krishna's Swarup, the verse 28 that comes before the Govinda prayers is some realization about his own relationship with Krishna. And here's the verse, text 28, which translates, enlightened by the recollection of that Gayatri, that's the flute of Krishna entering his ear, came out his mouth in the form of Gayatri. Enlightened by the recollection of that Gayatri, comma, embodying the three Vedas, because Gayatri is a mantra that embodies the three Vedas. So he was meditating on the three Vedas just by meditating upon the Gayatri that he received from Krishna. Brahma became acquainted with the expanse of the ocean of truth. Then he worshipped Sri Krishna, the essence of all Vedas, with this hymn. So he became situated in his relationship and then he began offering prayers honoring Krishna's sarup. Here's the beginning part of the purport, Bhaktisiddhanta's language. Brahma thought thus within himself, quote, By the rec recollection of the Kama Gayatri, it seems to me that I am the eternal maidservant of Krishna, unquote. Though the other mysteries in regard to the condition of the maidservant of Krishna were not revealed to him, at least not yet, Brahma, by dint of his searching self-consciousness, became well acquainted with the ocean of truth. This is text 28. In text 36, there's a verse that says, when one comes to the bhava stage, then one comes to know all the details. At this stage, he didn't yet know all the details. He had a sense. It seems to me that he's the maidservant of Krishna. The so maidservant of Krishna means conjugal rasa, gopi. And if those of you that are familiar with Srimad Bhagavatam, you may know that Canto 2, Chapter 9, there's Lord Brahma that comes before Lord Vishnu, and the relationship is not maidservant, it's friendship. Sakya rasa. The Lord stands and extends his hand and shakes hand. Welcome, welcome home. So there's different rasas and one can realize one's rasa or relationship with Krishna through the medium of mantra. 
and one can realize the form of Krishna through the medium of mantra. These two things. These are the two divyagyan things that if one chants mantra properly, it's a big if, but if that the potency is there, everything, everything that one needs is there within the mantra itself. So there is an example of what Jiva Goswami says in his Sandarbhas, which is what Sanatana Goswami says in Hari Bhakti Vilas, which is what the Vedas say. So now, little summary, Diksha has these two things. It, it awakens spiritual knowledge within these two categories and it destroys sin and even the desire or tendency for more material implication. The potency is there within the process. But remember that first or the, that early slide, there's multiple sources, but this is one of them and a very important one. Now, more scriptural reference to support this particular notion of diksha. This is given by <coughs> Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur. Again, our new people don't know who he is, but he's one of our primary commentators. Prabhupada's Bhagavad Gita was based primarily on Vishwanath's Bhagavad Gita commentary and Baladev Vidyabhusan's commentary. Now, Vishwanath was very prolific. He wrote a commentary on Rupa Goswami's Nectar of Devotion. The title of that commentary is Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu Bindu. Bindu is like a drop, the drop of the ocean of nectar of devotion. And it's a long description on this same section that Jiva Goswami comments on divyam jnanam yatodad yad kuryat papas yasangshaya etc. And like, what does diksha mean? Long discussion. And the relevant part that I wanted to highlight is this comment. This procedure of diksha is not completed in one day. Although we normally think of diksha as, you know, what, day, when, what was the date of your initiation, Prabhu? And you say, oh, I was initiated on such and such day. So that's, it's relevant. At the same time, not but, at the same time, Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur says, it's not confined to or completed in one day. Rather, it has begun from the day of Diksha. That means knowledge and detachment continue progressively, provided, small thing, if one continues in the process of submission and chanting of the mantra properly and so forth. Okay? Now we're going to go on to a slightly different but connected point. That is, there's a relationship between this divya gyan and destroying the cause of suffering, which is um, ignorance, is the root cause of suffering and because of ignorance we engage in fruitive activity of necessity practically some sinful activity and so there's suffering. So there's this transcendental knowledge that remember that slide that 
it's at the bottom and there's multiple causes that bring in transcendental knowledge. When that knowledge comes in, it destroys ignorance and when ignorance is destroyed, it, it similarly destroys karma. You know this from Bhagavad Gita, correct? There are verses in Bhagavad Gita that indicate like this. Through transcendental knowledge, sins and reactions of sins are destroyed in the fire of transcendental knowledge. So, um, Krishna. I'm going to come back to this causal relationship notion in just a moment, but I want to first just, this is an appreciation of how Śrīla Prabhupāda says the same thing that our previous acharyas say. No surprise. He's, that's what a great acharya does. He just re- delivers the message of the previous acharyas. This is um, especially dear to me because it's a conversation or it's a class, a morning class that I attended in, in New York in July 1976. Prabhupada was explaining, Divyam Gyanam Hride Prokashito. What is that? Divya Jnana. Divya Jnana is that we are all servants of Krishna and our only business is to serve Krishna. Divya Jnana. This is Divya Jnana. Diksha. Diksha means from this Divya Jnana. That is Di. And Ksha means kshapa yati eradicates sin. Do you recall this? This is exactly, exactly what um, Jiva Goswami is writing in his Sandarvas and Prabhupada just delivering it in a class. Hmm. And then in a morning class in Auckland, New Zealand, uh, Prabhupada is discussing the same. That very word initiation suggests this is the beginning. Diksha. Diksha. Di. Divya. There are two words. Divya jnana. Divya jnana means transcendental spiritual knowledge. So, divya is D and Jnanam. Kshapayati, explaining that is Ksha. I'm not sure the transcriber got explaining correct. I think it's like eradicating. But I just put what they put. That is Ksha. Then put the two together. Diksha. This is called Diksha. Diksha, the combination. Combination of what? Di and Ksha. Transcendental knowledge, Divyagyan, and this um, eradication of sin. So Diksha means initiation to begin transcendental activities. Remember this because it's going to have its relevance in about 10 minutes. This is Prabhupada's perspective on the role of initiation in the process of the soul becoming liberated. 
So, here's some examples. The, the causes of sin explained in Nectar Devotion, Chapter 1. Um, there's, there's six characteristics of pure devotional service. That's Chapter 1. One of those six is this one, Relief from Material Distress. One of six. And in that section, summarizing, Prabhupada indicates, generally one commits sinful activities due to ignorance. Knowledge eradicates ignorance. Very simple, logical. Digest that for a moment because we're going to go on. So we want, this is something we want because we want to get rid of that because we want to get rid of that. So we want that. Whoops. Rupa Goswami says that the distresses from sinful activities are due to both the sins themselves and to sins committed in our past lives. So we have to stop further sin and address the fact that there's tendency for more sin due to past sins and the suffering that's coming from that. So he's giving teachings in this section of chapter 1 how to. Oh. Devotional service, bhakti, has the characteristic of kleshagni. That's this, relief from material distress. Even for beginners, this means that it, devotional service, reduces or nullifies all kinds of sin and its consequent suffering. So what are we doing here? We're, we're indicating bhakti itself delivers Divi again. And scriptural evidence is this, Rupa Goswami's teaching, that even for beginners, Kleshagni, or relief from material distress, is a symptom of bhakti. It's a characteristic of bhakti, even in the sadhana stage. So again, there's the heading, sins and desires for sin are destroyed by bhakti. Prabhupada writes, quoting, all of these reactions to sinful deeds can immediately be stopped if we take to Krishna consciousness. The sinful desire seed can be removed only by achieving Krishna consciousness or bhakti. And this can be accomplished very easily by chanting Maha Mantra or Hare Krishna Mantra as recommended by Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Prabhupada is just giving Rupa Goswami's teachings in a summary way through this chapter. And still on this chapter one, and this is um, knowledge awakens within the bhakta by the process of bhakti. And when bhakti awakens and that knowledge awakens, that ignorance, the cause of sin, is destroyed. So mantra and bhakti are two sources. I hope you follow what I'm doing. I'm giving scriptural references for that slide that graphically showed there's multiple sources of Divi again. And Prabhupada concludes, the blazing fire of Krishna consciousness is so strong that the snakes of ignorance are immediately killed. 
This is part of a sentence. Where there's, just as when there's a big blazing fire, all the living entities in the forest flee here and there. Similarly, a blazing fire of Krishna consciousness is so strong, the snakes of ignorance are immediately killed. And two other references. This is taken from Chaitanya Charitamrita Madhi, chapter 17. Expanding on the same message, this more detail. There are three stages of fructification for sinful activity. At one stage, one commits the sinful act. Before that, the seed of this act exists. And before that, there is ignorance whereby one commits the sin. Suffering is involved in all three stages. However, Krishna is merciful to his devotee and consequently he immediately nullifies all three stages. That's the sin, seed of the sin, and the ignorance that leads one to sin. And to support that, Prabhupada refers to a verse from Padma Purana, as you see below, a prarabdha palam papam, etc. And the translation, there are different stages of dormant reactions to sinful activities to be observed in a sinful life. Here are the categories. Sinful reactions that may be just waiting to take effect. Palon mukha. Reactions that may still be further dormant, kuta, and reactions that may be in a seed-like state, bija. And the fourth ones are ones that are happening now. It doesn't list them. These are before they're happening, then there's the happening. That's called prarabdha karma. But these other three stages are there, plus, so it's not just, just not just deals with suffering now, it deals with the potential of suffering. From the potential of sinful reaction. It's all destroyed by bhakti. In any case, all types of sinful reactions are vanquished one after another if a person engages in the devotional service of Lord Vishnu. So this is the Padma Purana reference that is being elaborated upon in Chaitanya Charitamrita that says, engage in bhakti and two things happen. Devi again and eradication of sin of, of these different categories. So engage in devotional service. Here's the broom, there's the pot room. <laughs> and you know, here's the book, and here's the bead bag, and here's the Mangalarti, and here's the opportunities for devotional service. And these things take place when devotional service is taken up properly. So these we now have, in addition to Diksha, we have this second alternative source of Divyagan. That's all types of bhakti. They are the deliverers of Divyagan, spiritual knowledge. Since they include knowledge of the Lord Sarup and our relationship with the Lord, consequently, they destroy sin. And some examples taken from chapter 10 of Nectar Devotion. Oops, chapter 9. Quote, directly from Nectar Devotion, a person whose body is decorated with the pulp of sandalwood, with paintings, 
of the holy name of the Lord is delivered from all sinful reactions and after his death he goes directly to Krishna Loka to live in association with the Supreme Personality. Down at the registration desk we have some sandalwood pulp and names of the holy Lord, holy names of the Lord ready to anoint on your forehead so you can go back to Krishna Loka after this life. And um, here's another. In the Brahmanda Purana it is said, a person who sees the Lord's Rathiyatrakar festival and then stands up to receive the Lord can purge all kinds of sinful reactions, results from his body. And there's so many other examples. So here's another, a third source that awakens or produces Devi again. Hearing. Shukadeva Goswami speaking, Marish Prichit hearing, of course, also the sages, they heard as well. And one can achieve perfection in these two ways Divyaganam awakening, sin being eradicated. Whoops, here's the A reference. This is Canto 1, Chapter 2. Famous verse Vasudeva Bhagavati Bhakti Yoga Prayodhitaha. Janiyatiyashu vairagyam jnanam cha yad ahaitukam Translation By rendering devotional service unto the personality of Godhead Sri Krishna one immediately acquires causeless knowledge There it is, jnanam and detachment vairagya This devotional service and there's many forms of devotional service. Here's another scriptural statement indicating that the process of hearing accomplishes this, taken from nectar devotion, but it's a quote from Bhagavatam, Canto 4, Chapter 29. Uh, Shukadeva Goswami says, My dear King, one should stay at a place where the great acharyas or holy teachers speak about the transcendental activities of the Lord and one should give oral reception to the nectarian river flowing from the moon-like faces of such great personalities. If someone eagerly continues to hear such transcendental sounds, then certainly he'll become freed from all mundane hunger, thirst, fear, and lamentation as well as all illusions of material existence. Hearing is a source of divya again also. And uh, some weight going to, aside from diksha, from shiksha. In our line of disciplic succession, there are some connections where Bhaktivinoda Thakur did not receive diksha from Jagannath Das Babaji, but he received shiksha from Jagannath Das Babaji. Gorkishore did not receive diksha from Bhaktivinoda Thakur, but he received shiksha from Bhaktivinoda Thakur. So, <laughs> Devi again can be transmitted through shiksha, not only through diksha. And then, yeah, okay, then there's the holy name itself. We'd already briefly discussed the holy name at the very first slide. Here's some further evidence for that one where because the, the holy name is 
non-different than Krishna directly, it's the ultimate deliverer of Divya again. Um, this is a quote from Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 6, Chapter 8. The holy name of the Lord is fully identical with the Lord, not partially. The word Purna, this is purport, means complete. The Lord is omnipotent and omniscient, and similarly his name, form, qualities, paraphernalia, and everything pertaining to him are complete, pure, eternal, and free from material contamination. So by contacting the name, Divi again comes. Hirupa Goswami is similarly stating from his Padyavali, these are very, very beautiful um, writings of Rupa Goswami. In one verse, he describes the holy name of Lord Krishna is an attractive feature for many saintly liberated people. It is the annihilator of all sinful reactions and is so powerful that, say for the dumb who cannot chant it, it is readily available to everyone, including the lowest type of men, the Chandala. The holy name of Krishna is the controller of the opulence of liberation. And it is identical with Krishna. The holy name can deliver these things. Just chant. Um, other scriptural references about the holy name. We're going to get into some subtlety here in just a moment. A person who chants the holy name of Krishna once. Go ahead. Krishna, Krishna can counteract the resultant, the resultant actions of more sinful activities than he is able to perform. Just don't make any offenses afterwards. Uh-oh, there's always a but. And Haridas Thakur speaks similar message. This is recorded or reported in Chaitanya Charitamrita Anjalila. Namacharya Haridas Thakur, the authority in the chanting of holy names, said, The chanting of the Lord's holy name to indicate something other than the Lord is an instance of Namabas. Even when the holy name is chanted in this way, its transcendental power is not destroyed. Haridas Thakur continued, If one offenselessly utters the holy name, even imperfectly one can be freed from all the results of sinful life. And continuing a few verses later, even a faint light, that's Abbas, by the way, from the holy name of the Lord can eradicate all the reactions of sinful life. Oops. And similar statement comes in relation to Ajamila um, about his Namabas calling because of his Namabas he was given liberation therefore one who chants the holy name of the Lord with faith and devotion is certainly exalted he is protected even in his material conditional life this is uh, Shukadeva Goswami speaking Oh, boy. So, we're make, going to make a contradict, or contrast, notice carefully, where there's accidental chanting without knowledge, there's, this is the Namabas, 
No initiation. We don't have any indication that, like Ajamila, for example, that he was chanting Narayana because he was initiated in the chanting of Narayana. He just named his name Narayana. And he chanted that way. And um, there's a fact. That's destruction of sin. So that means there's some Divya Gyan that was, he was benefited by, certainly when he heard the discussion between the Yamadutas and Vishnu Dutas. Now there's a, a higher stage than Namabhas, that's Shudhanam, where there's proper Sambandha Gyan given by the Shiksha Guru. There may or may not be Diksha. Um, but then Divya again the same set of things can happen knowledge of the form of the Lord and knowledge of the relationship with the Lord with proper sambandha again um, Krishna Das Kaviraj Goswami writes about this in Chaitanya Charitamrita and this may come as a little surprise for most of us but listen carefully um, he refers to in the in the Adi Lila, this Harer Nama verse that was Lord Chaitanya's anthem practically. Uh, the age of Kali, we must chant the holy name of the Lord. So, in chapter fifteen of Madhya Lila, there's a whole series of verses that speak about the in, the, the the non-difference of the name with Krishna. And therefore, as Krishna stands alone, the name stands alone, doesn't need anything else for support. One does not have to undergo initiation or execute the activities required before initiation. One simply has to vibrate the holy name with his lips. Thus, even a man in the lowest class, Chandala, can be delivered. This is the Yuga Dharma message. Now, there is something else to be said, but this is Yuga Dharma message. And one verse prior is the verse in the, the purport below it, or part of the purport, just like an eight-page purport. Oh, best of the brahmanas, even without initiation, preliminary purification, or acceptance of the renounced order, one can simply... One can attain perfection in devotional service simply by chanting the Lord's holy name. So Prabhupada writes in his purport, simply by chanting the holy name of Krishna once, a person is relieved from all the reactions of a, sin, of a sinful life. One can complete the nine processes of devotional service simply by chanting the holy name. And a couple of verses later, when a person simply chants the holy name with his tongue immediately Immediate effects are produced. Chanting the holy name does not depend on initiation pious activities. Same message. The holy name does not wait for any of these activities. It is self-sufficient because Krishna is self-sufficient. Now, one may wonder, well, who needs initiation? Why do we have that in our process? Maybe some of you are wondering. So, to chant the holy name of the Lord, one need not depend on all these things. It may therefore be questioned why there is a necessity for initiation or further spiritual activities in devotional service for one who engages in the chanting of the holy name of the Lord. 
This question is going to come up again, so here it is, and it's got a, some response. Um, whoops, that's a mistake. Whoa. Necessity of initiation. This is a quote from the introduction to Nectar Devotion. This is our founder, Acharya, who has put in Chaitanya Charitama to what you saw, what he put. He knows what Lord Chaitanya said and so forth. Here's his writing about initiation. We can offer many services with our bodily activities. Bhakti delivers Divya again. But all such activities must be in relationship with Krishna. This relationship is established by connecting oneself with the bona fide spiritual master, who is the direct representative of Krishna in disciplic succession. Therefore, the execution of Krishna conscious activities with the body should be directed by the spiritual master and then performed with faith. The connection with the spiritual master is called initiation. And we heard what Prabhupada gave as a definition of initiation. Diksha, those two things. From the date of initiation by the spiritual master, the connection with Krishna and the person cultivating Krishna consciousness is established. I put this in red, it's not like that in the book. Without initiation by a bona fide spiritual master, the actual connection with Krishna consciousness is never performed. Well, wait a minute. And Chaitanya Charitamrita it says this, and Nectar Devotion it says that. What's going on? Either this or that, right? One of those dilemma things. Now what do you do, my dear devotees, when you run across one of these dilemma things? Read carefully, that's one thing. <laughs> it doesn't mean that this is right, then that's got to be wrong, or that's right, then this has got to be wrong. It doesn't mean that. Um, go a little bit further and then back up again. Here's um, a further elaboration. Although it is correct that one who f fully engages in chanting the holy name need not depend upon the process of initiation, generally a devotee is addicted to many abominable material habits due to material contamination from his previous life in order to get quick relief from all these contaminations it is required that one engage in the worship of the Lord in the temple. This is a, 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 a distillation or a summary of what Jiva Goswami says in that Bhakti Sandarbha reference about deity worship. So here's how Prabhupada said it. Ours our Yuga Dharma process is the process of Bhagavat Dharma. Basically, it's hearing and chanting. It's the most important thing. Hearing and chanting. Side by side with hearing and chanting, as through the hearing and chanting, one becomes qualified to do deity worship. And when one becomes qualified to do deity worship and does deity worship, that deity worship helps one become further purified through the process of hearing and chanting. Have you heard that before? Not heard that before? Okay. Well, you're, you'll see it again a few more times, in addition to what I just said. One enhances the other. 
the honey so the honey name stands alone krishna doesn't need anybody or anything else if you're shukadev goswami you don't need initiation in short shukadev goswami wasn't initiated correct he wasn't initiated but he became a perfect being his hearing shrimad bhagavatam he became a perfect being if you're shukadev goswami that's all you need if you're not shukadev goswami these other um assisting factors to help us get rid of the material contamination is required you see radha damodar ki yeah here's prabhupad saying the same thing in chaitanya charitamrita adi lila chapter 7 the worship of the deity in the temple is essential to reduce one's restlessness due to the contaminations of conditioned life similar point so they they run side by side we have deity worship or archana that's what deity worship is archana the sanskrit term because of the fickle mind of the devotee it it's recommended along with the hearing and chanting or the bhagwat mark or bhagwat vidhi or bhagwat bhakti to engage all of our senses in deity worship prabhupada is fond of quoting the verse describing marajambarish where he would engage in deity worship he would begin savaimana krishna padarabindayo he would fix his mind mana upon krishna and then he would do his deity worship cleanse the temple worship the decorate with his hands the deity form the lord use his legs to walk to the temple and so forth using the senses in various ways if you if you're lord brahma he received diksha but lord brahma didn't do lots of other things he just chanted his mantra for 10000 years if you can do that that's sufficient and if you can't do that these other assisting features that, that the potency is sufficient in the name and in the mantra and the other are to assist us to get that fullness of what's in the name i hope it's clear so we should understand the holy name is independent as krishna is independent and we accept the other processes because we require those other processes So there's the Archana Marg and Bhagavat Marg which basically is saying the same thing so I'm just going to move because of time. There are these two lines. The deity worship is on the left side. We follow the Pancharatriki Vidhi, the Narada Pancharatra. Pancharatra means procedures of worship and it includes the diksha by which one gets mantra which permits one to engage in Archana or deity worship. and side by side we receive shiksha and the holy name and we have kirtan and we do both in our process that's what bhakti siddhanta gave that's what prabhupada gave that's what we're following in in our line and this is the final slide again so 
This is the statement, Devi again, and the deliverance from the conditional life to the transcendental life through the medium of transcendental knowledge, destroying ignorance which destroys sin and the sufferings of sin and all of those things, the, the, the karmas of our past activity, through the chanting of the holy name at the top, and then we need instructions how to properly conduct our lives. Um, there's Diksha Mantra that comes for, for the purpose of deity worship, various processes of bhakti, and then of course within ISKCON, Srila Prabhupada's books. So Krishna is the deliverer, just summary, back to the first slide. Krishna is the deliverer. And he does the delivering through so many different mediums or agencies or instruments of him. He empowers those instruments, like Shiksha Guru, Diksha Guru, and the processes of worship that come from him and through our acharyas, how to do the, the worship properly, how to do everything properly. The mediums of devotional service and so forth. It's, it's to bring us to awaken our dormant Krishna consciousness and through that awakening of dormant Krishna consciousness, transcendental knowledge awakens, ignorance is destroyed, sins and tendency for sin and sufferings are dissipated very quickly if one takes the process properly. So there's summary. Let's see if there's any discussion on this topic. Yes, hey, Mungi. Um, diminishing of uh, ignorance due to, uh, of diminishing of sin due to ignorance and awakening of knowledge seems like a gradual process. Yeah, uh, it is. And for the process we need, therefore we need to cultivate uh, patience and enthusiasm. Yes. Sometimes there is a dip in that enthusiasm. Yes, and, and patience too. Yes, <laughs> and you have said that in the past, in the past lectures, that we need to associate with those who are enthusiastic so we can again reach it. And, Bhakti Thakur teaches, we must move forward with the spiritual conception, otherwise we can't maintain enthusiasm, we can't maintain anything. It'll be passion that fizzles and turns into frustration. We can be enthusiastic for a result rather than enthusiastic with the spiritual conception. But very often, uh, when you're in that space, the spiritual conception's gone. Sure. And you disconnect even with that association that gives you enthusiasm. Yeah. So how does, the, uh, how does one reinstate when you're in that space? Back into the, because well, the well, a short answer is, in one word, is faith. Faith sustains. One can't even begin or continue or continue more steadily. It, you know, it's, as faith grows, it becomes more steady. Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur says, that all the nine stages of bhakti are simply descriptions of stages of faith. From faith to faith, in different stages. 
So the unsteady, to become steady, has it rests on faith, and faith, you know, rests upon what's intrinsic in the soul, like a disposition towards taking shelter, and then, as you indicated, association, because that's adausha tatha taksado sangha, that we require. And so that unsteadiness, sometimes you know, da 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 da, the sine curve. So, when even when it's going down, faith should remain. As much as faith goes remains, even you know, circumstantial type of enthusiasm may wane, but that other will not. And then the other that doesn't becomes more prominent and dominates over the circumstantial. And that's how we evolve spiritually. Circumstantial doesn't create our consciousness as one becomes spiritually realized. Otherwise, you know, we're in material consciousness looking at, you know, the circumstances. And this isn't, now I'm feeling enlivened, now I'm feeling something other than enlivened. Angry or sad or something. Other than, you know, the spiritual reality. So faith is essential. And therefore, nurturing of faith is an essential function of those who are spiritually elevated. Not blind faith, but faith based on knowledge. So not just the, you know, the pat on the head kind of, I'm okay, you're okay, kind of encouragement. But, you know, a spiritual encouragement based upon knowledge. That's the duty of a qualified person. And we require those persons to continue to go further in our faith. Even we may be going in the downward, you know, plunge in the, in the sine curve. Okay. So, Paul, you had something. Yeah, you asked. I was having it unsettled by some of the things, especially when I see this, this, uh, this slide, um, and in light of some of the groups that comes out and came out of this from, you know, the that say the what's it called? The 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 Richard group? The Richard. That um, you know you don't need to have a spiritual master, you can have Prabhupada's actual spiritual master, Prabhupada's books, etc. etc. And so if we can get Divi again You can get Divi again. Yeah. You can get Divya again from Prabhupada's books. People get Divya again from Prabhupada's books. But what does Prabhupada say in his books? <laughs> One should receive Diksha. And from whom should one receive Diksha? It's in his books. The current link. Not, you know, something else. The fullness requires the fullness, not partial. Eradication of ignorance can come from reading Prabhupada's books. Transcendental knowledge can awaken through reading Prabhupada's books. It's, then there's okay. So I just now repeating. So it's not that's nice. It's 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 essential. And in that essential, it gives instructions. That, that says these other things.
like the, you know the nectar of ocean remark or statement. So, for example, I mean, I can go back to the slide, but bhakti, here's, you know, number four over there, the yellow one, bhakti processes. But bhakti is to be, is the senses engaged in activity. Thus to be under the guidance of a spiritual master. So, how do I get guidance? I go to somebody and say, you know, what do I do? Then I get guidance. But supposing that somebody isn't there to go to, then it's my mind. And my mind's interpretation of something that I... So we require guidance. It's, it's The tradition is the line of disciplic succession. Although they're, they're, we have our previous acharyas referring to them, and the present acharya refers to them and gives guidance accordingly. Is that all right? Yeah, if, if you don't also clarify, when we talk about diksha, is, is, the, is that, you know, the five sacrifices holds it's the, the, whole, the, the whole... The current link, yes. But it has to have to the five sacrifices and that whole process that we do? Well, yes. Because there's mantra involved in the fire sacrifice. I'll, I'll give a practical example. In China, when I was recently in China, you know I went to China. After the festival of the Holy Name, I went to China. While I was in China, when I, when I reached one city, the person that picked me up at the airport said, but so-and-so would like to receive diksha from you and I'm the local representative and I'm authorizing this is my letter of recommendation. And I will, okay, how do you do that in China? Because you can't have a fire. You can't, you know, you can't do that. He said, you know, all the other procedures except the fire and then when there is a ceremony he'll go to India or, you know, something, 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 something and he'll sit in on the, the fire yoga. And it's not just a ritual. It's not like, you know, something. Just smoke and mirrors. It's, it's, there's substance as part of the process. Vows were taken, but then the, you know, the yagya is to be performed. It's part of our Pancharatrika system. We're following that, so it must be there. and then Rukunda, and then back here. Thank you so much. I was listening to your yesterday's presentation of the, On the same topic. topic. And I happened to hear there was some discussion that the real diksha uh, is it like the second initiation, Kaitri, and then you described something about different levels of diksha. I couldn't clearly understand what. Okay. Uh, Take the microphone, thank you. Um, <clears throat> it's a little technical. The system of Harinam initiation is a Panchatrika system initiation. Panchatrika system 
means for this age of Kali, people that are not qualified can become qualified by chanting of the holy name and being initiated into the chanting of the holy name. And there's a Panjshra system for that. Pause. And then that mantra, we'll go back, that mantra that we're initiated into the chanting of is a prayer for the awakening of devotional service, the mood of serving Krishna, which was covered. Now, pause. And then there's a Vaidika Diksha procedure that we follow that's for persons who have become qualified through the Panchatrika system to receive Gayatri Mantra. And that's a different system which we include in our system. Just like that reference of, from the Agamas. You familiar with that term a little bit? It's, it's from the, you know, the Vaidika system that's from the four Vedas. There's one of the sections is Agamas and the Agamas teach this. So that divyam jnanam yatodadyat kuryat papasya sangshaya, you know, the definition of what diksha is comes from the Agamas. So we're, we're taking something from the Pancharatras and something also from the, the Vedas themselves. And the, the Vedas give Vedic mantras that are only for qualified people. How does that qualification come from the Panchatrika system? The initiation into the Panchatrika system or via the Panchatrika system for chanting of Hare Krishna. Now, one can chant Hare Krishna without being initiated. And one can become purified without being... And if you're Sukadeva Goswami or Lord Brahma, or Sukadeva Goswami at least, then you know, you do, the, the Diksha part isn't essential. Lord Chaitanya is stating, for us it's essential. It's essential, it's not optional. Just like the Nectar Devotion introduction message. Then the second is our second initiation, we call, or Gayatri, Brahminical initiation. And these are Vedic mantras. And, you know, the Brahminical community in India gets really upset, or got upset when Prabhupada permitted that. But on the basis of scripture, those that are chandalas, through the chanting of the holy name, can become qualified to perform Vedic rituals with Vedic mantras, through, when there's proper procedure that's followed. So we follow the procedure, which includes the, as Subal was asking, the fire part. And those mantras impart special things. And, you know, we'll hear some more about those special things in the coming classes. Okay? Someone else? Mukunda? Thank you so much. Actually, that was going to be my question. But just, yeah, about second initiation. Oh. But just as a clarification, so you said uh, first initiation as we know it is the Pancharatrika system. And it's Diksha. And it's Diksha as well. Yes. Yeah. At, least, at, at least, you know, Prabhupada referred to it that way. Is that, you know, the formal connection with the spiritual master is established at the time of first initiation. Formal connection with the disciplic succession. One is given a name, Krishna Das. 
or whatever it is, Das, the name of Krishna, and one becomes part of Krishna's family. Connection is made. Just like, you know, the Nectar of Devotion introduction quote. That, from, that, that from that time forward. And Divyagyan is also, you know, enhanced through that process. And then further, through second initiation. Just like Brahma had two Gayatris. The second one is whereby he came acquainted with his identity as a maidservant of Krishna. His own Sarup and Krishna's Sarup. So, that address your question? Okay. Someone in the back? Your question is answered. Okay, in the back? Thank you so much. Uh, you mentioned that uh, in Diksha, Guru gives you a mantra to approach the deity in the deity worship. Well, it's not exactly what I said. Guru gives a mantra, and when giving the mantra, two things are given. Divya again, and eradication of sin. In that Divya again, two things. The potential of awakening one's understanding of one's relationship with the Lord, and the Lord's Swarup, which gradually furthers. And then, Along with that diksha, there's a nice essay, which I didn't refer to, but I'll mention it now. Just above your head, it's a picture of Bhaktivinoda Thakur. He wrote a little essay on pancha sangskar, at the time of diksha, five things, pancha sangskar, five things transpire. One of them is giving of the deity, but the giving of the deity has to do with the mood of the guru and the mood of the worshipper of Krishna. And it's explored or revealed or manifested through the mantra and through the process of worship and through the relationship with the Diksha Guru. It's not, it's not a cookie cutter thing, it's a little complex. Now, go ahead with your question. Now, uh, after I have taken the initiation, I have been serving the uh, deities. Yes. And doing my bhakti and everything. Yes. Um, the need of my guru is still required I mean, all the time? Or yes. I can stop the relationship with the guru and continue my bhakti? I've never heard of such a thing. <laughs> or, or let's say it differently. That's not what scripture says. What scripture says is, you are, I'm sure you were trained this way. Or if not, you should have been trained this way. I'm sure you were trained this way. Before approaching the deity, you take permission in your mind from the spiritual master to approach the deity. Yes? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And because what is, what is one's eligibility to approach Krishna? Zippo. But on the authority of the representatives, plural, the disciplic succession representatives of Krishna, I approach Krishna. That's our teaching 
And then there's the procedure, which includes the teaching. And one lives the teaching in deity worship. It's, as Prabhupada calls it, practical. There's theoretical, and then there's practical. So before approaching the deity, with palms folded, you, before the spiritual master's picture, or at least within your mind, minimally, you request permission on behalf of the spiritual master to perform this worship because it's on behalf of the spiritual master. That's the procedure and that's the consciousness. Now the question that you raised is, you know, no. The answer is no. There's not a point in time where... That's impersonalism. I mean, not that you're proposing it. I'm, I'm responding with the tone because Prabhupada said that's, that's impersonalism. Should I elaborate? Uh, I think we will uh, further discuss this question in a later discussion if possible. Okay, fine. But let me tell you a little Prabhupada story. Take the microphone because it's like get some feedback. Um, Mayapur. At a time when Mayapur wasn't developed like it's developed, all those shops across the street didn't even exist and you know the Ganga has this way of changing her course from time to time sometimes really close to that road sometimes further away so when the Ganga comes very close there's like a steep embankment and then the, the Ganga recedes after the rainy season so one time that, that well, it actually was for several years cross go out the gate Cross the Bhakti Siddhanta road, there was a steep embankment going down to go take a bath in the Ganga. At least, you know, when Prabhupada was around during a particular time. So, because of his age, one strong devotee held up his arm so Prabhupada could lean against his arm and go down the embankment. And when they got to the bottom of the embankment, Prabhupada pushed his arm away. And he thought, uh oh, did I offend Prabhupada? Did I do something wrong? And then Prabhupada put his cane down and said, this is impersonalism. One takes assistance from the spiritual master and then discards the spiritual master. Now I am Narayan. This is impersonalism. And then the devotees got the message. So, it's not that one receives something from the spiritual master in order that I now qualified to approach Krishna and now I discard the spiritual masters, <laughs> like that. That's impersonalism. I'm not saying that you're propounding or, opposing or uh, uh, encouraging that or professing that. I'm just responding by saying that concept is not a Vaishnava concept. It was one spiritual master is e e an eternal relationship. So in a daily way, that is how I should conduct my daily activity, whether it's deity worship or study or cooking or cleaning or this thing or that thing, whatever it is, it's eternally with that mood. Through my spiritual master approaching the disciplic succession and thereby Krishna and not otherwise. So whatever the particular thing is, yeah, that's what our teaching is. Okay? 
It's uh, three minutes before eight o'clock. One last question up here. Thank you, Question You said that Vidhyan means knowledge of the Sarupa, of the Supreme Lord, and also what's your relationship with the Lord. May I correct that? It's not what I said. It's what Hari Bhakti Vidas says. Yes, Okay. Question is on the second part, so on the relationship with the Supreme Lord. So yeah. is it a, a natural process which happens or is it revealed through... It's revealed. Krishna is the revealer and Krishna is, um, is very versatile. <laughs> he reveals in many different ways and it's not you know, a singular way. Krishna is the revealer and through the through different ways Krishna reveals. In the case of Lord Brahma, he revealed through the heart of Lord Brahma. There wasn't even anybody else around. But you know, in our case there's other persons around. So the revelation can be in various ways. But you know, through a proper representative, not you know, something falling from the sky. Is that all right? Okay, so I think we're going to end. It's 8 o'clock.